0: Welcome. I am your host, Man Preach, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your Boy, on social media at MMA LOT, and joined by my guy John Stargaren. You guys can follow him on Twitter at MMA Fox. And I just realized I don't have his display name up there. You guys go. You guys can follow him right there. And we are here propping you up for UFC Vegas Fifty, uh, headlined by a light heavyweight fight between Magomed Ankalaev and Tiago Santos. Wait, let me just say, King magomed on collab because this guy is about to take the throne after this victory that he gets this weekend uh john uh feels like it's been a while since we've hopped on with each other man how you doing and uh what are your thoughts on this card from a fan's perspective
1: yeah it's been a couple weeks it's really a shame i wasn't on here last week to give out that uh, three and a half units on tim elliott plus 200 right <laughs> but yes things are going well uh from a fan's perspective and a betting perspective, really, I like this card. You know, it's not really the kind of card that you're going to be like, tell your friend who's kind of a casual fan to come watch it because they're not going to recognize any of the names. But I think, I, honestly, I, there's a lot of fun fights on here. Um, should be a lot of finishes, should be pretty fast paced. So I, I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and I kind of like stuck my flag in the ground for you last week as well on the Prop New Up show. Because I remember, I think it was funnily enough, I think it was after the Ulan Bekoff uh, breakdown that I saw a couple people in the chat section saying, oh, uh, you know, if John was on, he'd be making the case for Tim Elliott. I'm like, the-, and I took a saw like two or three minutes to be like, why the fuck are you guys pissed off at a guy <laughs> making a case for an underdog? You know what I mean? Like, uh, just try to think outside the box for once. Yeah. A fucking bozo always just taking all the favorites and all that stuff, right? Like, try to make a case for the underdog. And if it's still not compelling enough for you to switch sides, then fucking take the favorite. Here's what I'll say I lose on a lot of underdogs, but that Tim Elliott
1: bet paid for and then profited on my last three underdog misses. So it's like, you can say, you can judge it however you want, but you hit those spots more than the implied odds, you're going to make money, you know?
0: exactly and it, it's gonna take moments like those for people to find out that uh you are the legit dog hunter and uh they should be thanking you for taking your time to do this fucking podcast and even your club and sub podcast to try to raise awareness for dogs it's, it's almost almost like a charity or some shit <laughs> raising awareness for the underdogs dog bats matter <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I love it. I love it. All right, let's fucking get into this card. I believe we have a 14 fight slate. Uh, yeah, 14 fight slate. Uh, nothing falling off as of yet, knock on wood. Um, but uh, a couple fun fights. Uh, and kicking things off, we have a 205 pound belt between Azamat Mirzakanoff against tafan and Chukwi. In terms of odds, we got minus 175 for Mirzikanov and plus 150 the return on and Chukwi. Uh, interesting fight here. Obviously, it's going to be the UFC debut of Azamat. Uh, he had a couple of fights fall out after he had his uh, contender series victory, where he was able to starch his opponent within that first round. Uh, the majority of his wins kind of coming in that first round, right? He's pretty quick in terms of getting to the punch, closing the distance, and he may not be the biggest light heavyweight out there, but he uses his speed and his agility very effectively to you know get to the chin of his opponents and, and really put a hurting on them. Uh, the one fight that I feel was very kind of telling was the, uh, the Guto and Assange fight where we saw him go the full 15 minutes required in that Brave, where they had like an open way tournament or something like that. Yeah. And then I believe that was the, the final. And I like what we saw from him there, especially having to go 15 minutes against a much bigger opponent. And not only the way that he went to the 15 minutes, but the fact that he chose to grapple in certain situations. And I was pretty impressed with what I saw from him dealing with that bigger opponent. I feel as though if he's smart, you know, maybe he wants to wear on Tufan a little bit here and really try to drain the power of Tufan and eventually start looking for takedowns or go back to relying on his striking and getting to the punch a lot quicker. Tufan's experiment at 185 pounds really didn't work out, and obviously he bounced back very well when we went back up to 205 pounds, defeating Mike Rodriguez last time. But the one issue he had at 185 pounds and a, one issue I think he's going to have here in this specific matchup was the speed, right? That was kind of the downfall of him in the JunYung Park fight where he just wasn't able to get to the punch uh, as quick as Park was able to. And then as the fight started to drag on, we saw Park start to complete takedowns as well. So I could see a, kind of a similar fight playing out here where we see uh, um, uh, Azumab beating him to the punch and uh, maybe even getting some grappling going. I could see this fight. You know, going the full fifteen minutes, Merzlikins via decision is currently sitting around plus three hundred, or even Merzlikins via third round uh, finish. You guys know I love doing that, uh, plus eight seventy five. But again, I'm not saying he looked like the energizer bunny in round three against and Assange. but uh, I do feel like Stefan really starts to slow down when he's not able to fight his kind of fight. The reason he went the solid 15 minutes against uh, Mike Rodriguez was because Rodriguez was fine with allowing him to fight at his pace and uh, at his uh, speed, and that allowed uh, Tafan to showcase solid cardio. But if Azamat is smart here, he's going to make Tafan work from minute one, and then eventually he'll find that finish late in this fight, or he'll be able to get that decision. But plus 300, plus 320 for a decision on Azmat, not too shabby. What do you think about this one, John?
1: yeah it's kind of weird because like Murza a guy that i've kind of been dying to fade to be honest in, in general i like i had a bet on Vandera against him before it got cancelled i had a bet on lynch against him before it got cancelled but i'm not really sure this is it and it's ironic because i actually like I do like Tefan's base. It's like if he was a sculpture, he's like the uncarved sculpture. I, <laughs> I like the Bay. I like the marble that we're working with here. Yeah. The problem is, it's like he's so green; it hasn't really developed his game like at all. You know, yeah. for light heavyweight, he's a good athlete for light heavyweight. He keeps a very solid output in a division where, you know, not many guys keep a high pace. So, you know, those are things I really like about him. The problem is, one, he doesn't really have much defense to speak of. You know, you saw that in the Park fight. Um, I bet Park there. It's like guys who can just kind of. Technically, box on the outside are just gonna pick him off pretty easily until he yeah. makes some improvements. You know, his defense is basically just I'm gonna high guard here and hope you don't actually throw around my guard. Um, <laughs> which unfortunately fortunately was intelligent enough to do. And the other thing is just like the grappling, it's just such a big red flag for me. And it's not just look, he slowed down in the park fight, so. I do hold, you know, I do. It was a bad look the third round of that fight, but it's not just that. It's when he defends takedowns, when he's gone for takedowns. Once the fight hits the mat or gets near hitting the mat, you know, he's not grabbing underhooks in the right places. He's turning the wrong way to get up. He's making a lot of little mistakes that just make me think he's a, a novice down there. And he's very young and only has seven fights. So it makes sense he's a novice. But that's a huge deterrent when if you're thinking about betting him against a guy, to your point, look, Mirza Konov, I don't like his volume. Um, but he's obviously a big hitter. I think he can lose minutes on the feet here, but you know, as you said, Innocence Inesha- Inesha- was like 40 pounds heavier, I believe yeah. in the cage with him. And I honestly didn't really hate what I saw from his wrestling in that fight. Um, and the thing is, if I thought he went 15 in that fight, I- I'm still a little on the fence about his cardio. Cause Innocente, Inesha- I gassed out pretty quickly in there, but, and like, if I thought Tafan was likely to make him work on the mat, um, I would be more inclined to bet tifan it's just what i've seen i kind of think if he goes to that route he's going to be able to just round him here like i i think if he gets on top of tafan it's fairly likely he holds him there and maybe beats him up there and so with that being the dynamic i can't back Tefan as a dog here i'm uh, on the prop end of things it's like i'm kind of with you you know tifan's pretty durable and i don't think from what we've seen in murzikhanov's top game that it's an incredibly finish threatening type of top game um I, I actually so I I don't mind the Merzikonov by decision if you wanted to like kind of hedge against you know the Merzikonov gassing out kind of thing you could actually fade the Merzikonov finish at like minus 150 I think and say not Merzikonov inside the distance which I don't think is bad and you know just as like a shorter bet you know the over one and a half at minus 160 I kind of like I'd be a little surprised if he Isis to quickly here
0: there's a couple over one and a half on this yeah. entire fight card that I'm kind of eyeing and we'll obviously get to it later. But yeah, that's a damn good look. Minus 160 on the over one and a half in this spot. I don't know why. Well, I guess if you just look at the record of Azamat, you're just going to be like, oh, he's probably going to either start Stefan or Stefan yeah. will start him. But this is probably one of those spots where we see him kind of slow it down and take it over that seven and a half minute mark. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Guido Canetti versus Chris Moutinho. In terms of odds, we got minus 145 for Moutinho and plus 125 to return on Guido Canetti. Uh, I got to say it, John. This is the one fight that I'm... Looking forward to least. Like, I don't give a fuck about this fight. I will, I'll give you guys the analysis. I'll give you guys my prediction, but I just, I just want to hit skip on this fight, to be honest. Chris know obviously famous now for taking that shit kicking from Sean O'Malley. And it seemed like, I think it's Herb Dean that that uh, was refing yeah. that fight seems like he had an inside the distance ticket on Sean O'Malley because you could have <laughs> let that go another 12 well, seconds especially with how much damage he was already taking in that fight I
1: was gonna say after the seven minute after he let it go eight minutes why are you gonna stop it with 30 seconds left right <laughs>
0: Exactly. Uh, uh, Christmas Junior, though, when he is on, though, uh, he has decent striking, good, nice shots down the middle, uh, seems to keep a decent pace as well. Uh, But it's not like we haven't seen him starched in the past as well, right? That's why I don't think that Kennedy is as, you know, uh, a pushover as many people make him out to be. I get it. He's like 40, 41 years old, but the guy can still crack. Right. There's yeah. one thing we always see from a lot of these guys, especially older in, or later in their careers, is that power still sticks around. Maybe not the technique, maybe not the durability, but the power is still there. And I've seen uh, Chris Moutinho get clipped by overhand rights over and over again by Johnny Campbell back in the day. And I mean, even Tony Gravely was able to get some good shots off on him as well. And I think Kennedy can still crack. I think Kennedy could find that chin at a certain point. Not saying that he's going to win, but Kennedy at plus 500 to win by knockout. Actually, it's plus 600 now. That's not a bad spot, especially considering how hittable Chris Moutinho is. Sure, you can see Sean O'Malley hit him with everything and still wasn't able to get him out of there early in that fight. But you and me know this, Sean. Sometimes chins show up. Sometimes chins don't show up. Perfect example, Marc-Andre Barrio can take all the try- shots in the world and then dies in 15 seconds against and Enzikwani. Like, there's always those moments. So I think p- plus 600 for a fight that's largely going to be taking place on the feet, I don't think that's a bad prop here for Kennedy. But the the prediction that I am actually going to end up going with is uh, Moutinho uh, outstriking him over 15 minutes and winning this by decision at plus 240. Can he knock you out Kennedy? Probably. But I think a lot of the durability issues on the Kennedy side have kind of been overblown to a certain extent, right? The, a lot of the finishes that he's been taking recently have been via submission. Uh, but the last one, obviously, he got by knockout was Danabatkaril. But are we really calling Chris Moutinho Danabatkaril? I hope not i don't think that's what kind of skill or or technique or power level that he actually has but marlon vera chokes out uh guido canetti in round two kyung ho kang chokes him out in round one henry brionis chokes him out in round two the last time he actually got a ko or ko loss before the bat fight was way back on the ultimate fighter latin america season one where he got knocked out by alejandro perez in round one that was back in 2014 though so in in eight years nearly eight years he's only been knocked out twice so how how can we truly say that he has the chin issues right now, a lot of people are banking on that especially in his last fight against manda martinez where everybody's crowding the the fight doesn't go to decision myself included and then he's taken all these shots on the chin and continued to chug forward so if his durability holds up i think his ko is even more live, but if uh, moutinho can stay safe i think he can outstrike him from the outside and take home a decision so the best ways to play it, in my opinion moutinho by decision plus uh 240 or canetti by ko at plus 600. how do you see this one going down
1: yeah i I mean i so you just touched on the kennedy and martinez fight um and i looked at it last night live on our show and you know the under in that fight under two and a half was minus 250 in that fight yeah and now you're giving me Guido who to your point I agree with the analysis you just made you know the guy's old um who knows where he is he's 42 43 but he can still crack you know the guy hurt Marlon Vera on the feet not many guys hurt Marlon Vera on the feet um and Moutinho look you know Moutinho's entire career has been killer be killed I think there's like this weird kind of narrative going around that he's got a ton of durability because of the o'malley fight but like the guy gets rocked in just about every fight and so now we have two guys who are both susceptible to being finished and the under is plus money here um which doesn't make a lot of sense to me uh and so like i bet the under uh in terms of the fight i mostly agree with you you know it's kind of a spot that i would have been looking to bet Kennedy on the money line if he wasn't as old as he is just because it's like i don't think chris patina is ufc level whatsoever um i don't, you know that was kind of the take going into the sean o'malley fight i'm not really sure what changed that did sean o'malley playing pinball with his head for 230 strikes change that like i i, I don't I, I don't get it it's like yeah he's tough i give him credit for that that was a really gutsy performance but the bottom line is o'malley made him largely look like the amateur that he not amateur but the regional fighter that he is in my opinion um i feel pretty good that you know moutinho though is going to force a fight here you know in the martinez fight with Kennedy, we saw that go to distance i think largely because martinez just wouldn't engage him like he was kind of trying to snipe him on the outside and so he wasn't really willing to sit down in the pocket with him but that's not really matino's game even when he's facing power coming back i mean look at the last fight you know if this guy's getting back down to big power coming his way he wouldn't have gone after O'Malley the way he did so i I feel pretty good that matino is going to go in there and look to force a stoppage here one way or another um when looking at it, I kind of like, I'm with you. I like the under here. I think that plus money is pretty nice. Uh, I think, you know, if you want to take a step at Machino inside the distance, plus 200, I think that's fine. And then to your point, Kennedy KO, I think plus 600 is crazy also. I think all of those are pretty good looks here. I, I, of the group, I like the under the most. And then after that, probably Kennedy KO. But I'm expecting this to be a fairly violent fight.
0: I like it. I like it. Hopefully it's entertaining. Like I said, I... Don't give two shits about that fight. I just no. want to want to see the move on. Kennedy Not to get a beer get fight. Yeah, maybe exactly. prep your dinner. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Start rolling up a J or something. <laughs> but uh, you know, if you're in my heis- household. But all right, uh, let's move on to the next fight here. Uh, third fight of the night. We got Cody Brundage going up against Doucha, and, Lungi and Bula in a middleweight fight. In terms of odds, we currently have Doucha as the slight favorite at minus 125, the return on Brundage at plus 105. Uh, another fight that's kind of difficult for me to kind of break down i feel like brundage we've heard about this guy forever now i mean i think it's mainly because he's the husband of amanda cooper a former ufc fighter Believe. but yeah <laughs> exactly uh factory <laughs> x fighter uh has a wrestling background but it's it doesn't seem to be as good as people are making it out to be right like i see it in some of his fights then i see like his defensive grappling not really look that great some of the takedowns that nick maximov was hitting on him seemed very suspect like this guy has a wrestling background, really. Uh, dr Lungiambula, very intimidating stature, obviously, especially at 185 pounds. Hits w- with some big power. But when he's on, you see him kind of using his grappling effectively as well. Uh, you know, in the Quan Townsend fight, we even saw it in the, the Marcus Perez fight, where he's able to get a tremendous amount of control time there i wouldn't be surprised if we actually see him land takedowns in this spot uh against brandon Who i'm again very skeptical about uh dalcha obviously making one last uh career or trying to make a career resurgence here by moving down to sanford mma following his last opponent mark Andre Barrio, down to florida after he uh lost to him that night interesting to uh I- i'm interested to see how they're able to kind of help him out obviously you know 35 years old not the not the best age at 185 pounds especially going up against a young guy and Corey Brundage, who really wants to make up for his last performance against uh, Nick maximov let's cut him some slack though right that Maximoff fight was on short notice he you know lost the Contender series fight against William Knight and one of the worst uh stand-ups I've ever seen where he's in like dominant position and oh I think God. it's herb Dean that stands him up I remember talking uh, to Mark Montoya Cody's uh, uh uh coach and he's he goes I still hold a little little." little bit of a grudge to Herb Dean to this day because of that stand-up uh but luckily Brundage still finds his way into the UFC here I still find it hard to to back in myself I know a couple of sharp people that are on the Brundage side I just don't have enough confidence in him I want to see him go out there and actually do something before I put my money on him uh I do end up on the on the uh on the douche's side here but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what the what you think of the overs because the over two and a half is currently at minus 115 and i think that's a damn good spot lungi and bula via decision at plus 400 that's kind of the way that i'd be leaning here uh again looking at dolce he looks like a knockout machine but when you actually watch his fights the guy likes to go out there and grapple as much as he yeah. can so uh i'm expecting a slow pace grappling fight between both guys Either guy can have success on paper brundage should be the one having the success but from what i've been seeing from tape i'm not all that impressed with what i was seeing last thing i'll say about this matchup and then i'll bring it on over to you his second last fight against uh crop shot i believe the guy's name was one one going into that third round as a minus 300 favorite not a good look in my eyes at all obviously he's able to get the finish in that third round but to lose the uh the second round pretty much with him on top (laughs) not a good look either I'm on the Dolce side, but more, more over, I'd rather be on the over two and a half at minus 115. How do you see this one?
1: Yeah. So the crop shot fight um, is one of the reasons I'm not betting Brundage here, or I haven't as of yet. Because, like, let's be honest, I actually do rate Brundage's wrestling, especially his offensive wrestling, a decent bit. But, you know, he basically decided in that fight against a guy that he had a massive advantage over to stand on the feet with him. He lost that second round and got clipped a couple of times in there. Um, I thought he was gonna get finished briefly he eventually went to the grappling in round three and finished the fight there but it's like that and then like you know he's got mark montoya screaming at him about his head position against knight and he goes in there and gets finished by elbows i have concerns about cody brundage's um, general fight iq you know i actually think you know he has a chance to be fairly successful at 85 you know he's very strong you know he was tossing william knight around like a sack of potatoes before to your point you know the herd being threatening to stand him up from back now which to this day is unbelievable but <laughs> um but you know I I think he has two, like you know a guy with his skill set who is a pro was more proactive about his grappling I think wins a lot of fights at 85 in the UFC there's just not many good grapplers there and I do think you know he's definitely the more certainly the more credentialed grappler here and I think if he actually pushed a wrestling heavy pace here uh, I, I think he can grind Dacha personally uh, but my concern, you know, as I touched on is that he's going to come out here and he's going to look to stand and look, while I think we both met Mark andre Barrio against Dolce, Dolce has not been a guy that I have like, traditionally rated very highly because I don't think there's a lot of process to his game. His volume tends to be low. He is fast though. And he does, you know, he can clip you and Brundage tends to fight with his hands down, which is something that scares me. So while I read his grappling a bit higher than yours, I do, I don't. Really rate his fight IQ that highly, um, and, and so like that's a pretty big concern for me. What I will say though, in terms of a betting angle here, I don't think I could bet dodger here just because I do think you know, I, I don't think dodger can give him the issues that Nick Maximov gave him. But I think Brundage by decision is interesting. You know, we saw dodger survive on bottom against Magaman Ankalaya, who we'll get to in the main event, but for about four minutes there, um, Brundage doesn't throw nearly as heavy ground in Pound, like sure, he could submit him, I suppose. But Dolce actually did a pretty decent job of staying safe there, so I kind of like the Brundage by decision here. That's on a plus two thirty, plus two forty. Um, maybe if you have like a Brundage, if you have a book that has Brundage submission or decision, I don't hate that either. Like that's probably around well, plus one fifty, I guess, maybe plus one sixty. Um, so yeah, I like Brundage decision props here
0: though. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm glad that you're able to make a case for Brundage as well. Again, I'm not super impressed with them, but I know I might be overlooking a couple things. So I'm glad that you're able to bring some uh, reality to it as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the next fight. A women's flyweight scrap between Sabina Mazo and Miranda Maverick. In terms of odds, we got heavy chalk on the Maverick side at minus 320 plus 250 to return on Sabina Teixeira. Is that what's happening? Because she spent two weeks <laughs> over there at Tissue MMA and Fitness up there in Danbury, Connecticut. Connecticut. Is that what we're saying? Is she going to pull out a crazy wrestling game and a top pressure like no other with that jujitsu? Nah, fuck no i think uh yeah you know we've seen the kind of blueprint to, to go out there and beat a girl like sabina mazzo uh and i think that uh, miranda maverick is the perfect fighter to go out there and do just that not to mention sabina Mazo, two fights ago fought a teammate of yep. miranda maverick and jj aldrich aldrich doesn't have the greatest tool set to be able to replicate something with uh that miranda Maverick's going to be able to but at least she will be able to share a couple things in terms of how sabina felt in the cage and all that but pretty easy right you, you go out there go for takedowns try to grind her out on the ground uh i, I watched a couple of interviews of miranda maverick recently and uh she she really hates herself for the way that she performed in the macy barber fight by not making it more uh conclusive that she should have won that fight like we all know she won that fight but the fact that it looked like she almost took this, uh, her foot off the gas in that third round, she says she learned a lot from that. She wants to go out there and rectify that. She wants to leave no doubt in the judges' minds if it goes the full fifteen minutes that she wants to, you know, make it look as good optically as possible. She's mentioned the striking. She mentioned a lot of the wrestling as well, and that's exactly what I wanted to hear from her, that she wants to go out there, take Sabina Mazo to the mat and just grind her out, or even just try to finish her from on top. Uh, again, we, we see the pictures of Samita Mazzo at Teixeira Fitness, and we see the pictures of her on the wrestling mats, but I'm sure she was doing a lot of that against Alexis Davis and a lot of that against all these other women who have been able to take her down. So I'm not sure how much she's gonna be able to improve in that, in that realm even if so, she shucks off a first couple takedowns. I think the striking and the tenacity and the hard note striking style of uh, Miranda Maverick will kind of be the downfall of Sabina Mazo who, We've seen, like, she likes to use the range, but she's not very effective with it either, right? I believe she was marching down Maria Agapova the entire fight, but getting touched up while Agapova was on her back foot the whole time. Justine Kish outstriking Sabina Mazzo, almost waiting that fight until she gets clubbed and stubbed with the one minute left. Oh, God, I couldn't wait to catch that underdog ticket. And then she you gets too. clubbed and stubbed right there. But... Luckily, Miranda Maverick's going to be able to get that money back for me. Do I have her parlayed with something? You, you fucking bet I do, because I don't know exactly how to play this on the prop side. I could see her going out there and grinding this out and winning this fight via decision. I believe that's around minus one hundred and twenty right now. But I could also see her grinding her to the mat and then just destroying her from on top with some solid uh, ground and pound, some big shots from on top she she may be at a height disadvantage here but she is not at a thickness disadvantage this girl is is strong she's very uh tough to deal with especially in those uh exchanges those grappling exchanges the, the aaron blanchfield fight not a good look from her but are we really expecting an aaron blanchfield type of approach from her uh, from sabina Mazzo to be able to take this fight to the ground over and over again not to mention uh uh, Maverick said she took a lot from that uh fight as well she goes that was the first time she ever had lost a first round in her career and from there it was very hard for her to get back onto the horse and that has motivated her in terms of you know working on her get ups and working on her defensive wrestling but I'd, I'd be surprised if she has to defensively wrestle here at all I think she's gonna be doing all the offensive wrestling. I think she again, even on the feet, I don't think it's as far as people expect it to be, especially with Mazo being this crazy, you know, highly touted striker that she was coming from the LFA. She's getting outstriked by Justin Kish. If Miranda Maverick can't outstrike her, if Miranda Maverick can't out MMA her, shoot me in the head. <laughs> I like Miranda Maverick in this spot. I'm gonna go. Oh. I got a alarm going off. That was weird. Um, but yeah, I got Maverick actually inside the distance here, which is uh, plus 275. That's the one that I'm leaning with more than a decision. I can see a decision as well, but I don't mind chucking Maverick in a couple parlays if you're unsure about how she's going to be able to get this victory. I just know that she will be able to get this victory. John, what do you think about this one?
1: yeah i mean i think if my maverick actually cares about her ufc career and the trajectory of where she's going she's going to shoot within 30 seconds here um i i I think on the feet it's fairly close you know mazo does some decent stuff you know her body kicks are nice you know she has an okay jab you know the big problem with mazo standing is she just doesn't really move her head. She's very easy to hit in the pocket. Um, obviously, the Agapama fight did not age very well. Uh, but, you know, I, I do like Mazo striking, though, to be honest. You know, she throws a lot of body kicks, throws a lot of leg kicks. She tends to set up those head kicks that she throws very, very well, and she can throw them from both sides, which not many strikers can do. Um, but Maverick's a decent boxer, you know, I think. And I don't think Mazo is some like elite, elite striker. She's got great volume. But a lot of it's empty volume because of the leg kick. So I think on the feet, it's close. Look, if you told me this is going to be a 15-minute kickboxing match, I'd be like there's massive value on Mazo here, Um, just candidly. The problem is, you know, I thought I was going to be betting Sabina Mazo when I went to take this fight. And then, you know, you look at it. She is just – she's very – I, I get the feeling she's very frail first of all and not very physically strong you know she's just gotten bullied very 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 easily you know when girls have tried to bully her um and then when she hits on her back she just doesn't really know what to do she hasn't gotten off her back one time in the right. UFC I, ch- I checked not one time and by the way it is not like she's fighting like a bunch of high level grapplers she really hasn't to be honest and yet when she gets taken down she is done I mean Davis is a pretty high level grappler but other than that you know not really anybody you know and, and it's like and I question Mazo's fight IQ a bit cause it's like you look at the Alexis Davis fight Davis wasn't proactively shooting but she kept throwing those kicks and Davis just kept catching them and putting her on her back you know it, it, it's I, I don't know I, I I look at it and I'm just like yes if Maverick fights to a complete minus EV game plan here is going to be huge value and she can win this fight uh I think Maverick can get her down with relative ease if she wants though um and even if she struggles, I think it's just a matter of time as long as she stays aggressive with it. You know, she's a lot stronger than Mazda's going to be. She's a better athlete. She should be able to drag her down eventually. And then once they get down, I'm pretty confident that Mazo's not getting back up. And, and so, you know, with that being the dynamic, it's just like, I, I don't see many paths to Mazo winning this fight unless Ma- Maverick is kind of an idiot. And I worry a little bit about that because I thought she fought pretty minus suboptimal against both Macy Barber and Liana Jojua. But ultimately, though, I mean, she has to know the game plan. I'm sure her team is telling her that. Um, in terms of betting it, look, I like the decision here. I, I'm not. It's not the most passionate take I've ever had. You know, it's a tough card for props out there. Uh, but Alexis Davis is a very credentialed black belt. She's super dangerous. She was not able to finish Mazzo on the mat. You know, she got back position a bunch of times, and Mazzo did a decent job fighting hands. So I, I kind of think – more likely than not monster's going to be able to stay safe on bottom and if the fight goes how i think it's going to go i think maverick decision is probably like 60 65 percent here um so i like that at minus 120 i think it's worth a stab yeah i don't
0: don't like that i I don't mind that approach either uh again i i consider you get the win either way in this spot um i likely won't be uh, investing heavily in props in this spot uh, i i don't mind just parlaying her yeah. honestly i think she runs through her as long as she truly understands the assignment gotta believe that she does all right let's move on to the next fight here we have a 145 pound fight between damon jackson and camuela kirk uh we got pretty much a pick 'em line here minus 115 uh minus 105 on kirk you can see a couple of spots uh line movement on this fight very interesting Uh, Kirk opened up as a plus 125 underdog gets bet immediately down to minus 145 and then a ton of money coming back in on Damon Jackson making this a pick and fight. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Kamala Kirk. Um, You know, I was uh, happy to call him as an underdog against uh, Maquan Americani in his UFC debut. I think a lot of people are just overlooking him. If I'm not mistaken, kirk came in on short notice in that fight uh which is why i believe a lot of people are overlooking him you know maquan kind of been reliable in certain spots maybe not as much recently uh and i think that's why people are just banking on him there but kirk's a solid black belt uh he's nice and patient with his striking uses his range decently uh but i i I'm curious how he deals with a guy like Damon Jackson, who is just forward pressure, uh, pretty much just likes to engage in the clinch immediately, uh, try to get the takedowns as soon as he can. His striking is more so based on a kicking game, just so that he can close that distance and either, you know, come up with strikes or uh, go back down with a takedown. Um... I I wanted to be on the Kirk side, honestly, because I thought that his jiu-jitsu would be good enough to deal with the the, the pressure that he's going to be dealing with with Damon Jackson. But Jackson is pretty good in terms of, like, establishing position, getting the back of his opponents, and kind of just riding out some time there. Um, We saw Makon, even late in that fight, kind of having some success with landing a takedown and just uh, having some control for time from on top. Kirk was able to obviously reverse position and get that back. But I feel like we can rely on Damon Jackson a little bit more to have the gas tank to go a full 15 minutes, especially in a grapple heavy fight. We saw Jackson kind of uh, struggle to get Charles Rosa down early in their fight, but stayed safe enough with the striking that he eventually was able to implement that in the second and third rounds and eventually take home that decision victory. But uh, that's fucking Charles Rosa, right? Almost anybody <laughs> could do that to Charles Rosa. I think he's going to struggle a little bit more to do that here with Kamala Kirk, and I expect this to be a close fight, um, which is why I don't mind some of the overs here. Over 2.5 at minus 165, I can see both guys kind of struggling to finish each other, but I do think it will be Jackson more often not Kind of looking making it look better to the judges optically right moving forward trying to land the takedowns getting that control time there might be a reversal here and there from kamala kirk but i don't know if it'll be enough for him to actually get his hand raised in the spot i wanted to back kamala kirk because i i like what i see from the kid but D- damon jackson is just a fucking leech man that guy is very tough diff, or difficult to deal with in terms of the jujitsu and grappling realm so i'll go um i'll go jackson jackson via decision which is currently sitting at, uh, ba, 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 where's that line at? Jackson via decision, uh, plus 200. Uh, but I'd feel a little bit more comfortable with the over two and a half at minus 165, which is weird to say for a Damon Jackson fight, right? He used to be the under guy. He used to be the yeah. guy that you can rely on to go out there and either get finished or finish his opponents but I feel like he's really starting to mature at this part of his career by just going for the, the the control time going for the position over submission like he uh unlike what he used to do back in the day so I'm going Jackson Jackson via decision but over two and a half is what I like the most because I do expect this fight to play as closely as the odds are indicating how do you see this one John
1: yeah I'm fairly large on Jackson here at like plus 130. uh when that line flipped back I hit it pretty hard um I I guess I don't mind Kirk as a prospect or a fighter you know he's a good athlete he obviously is pretty dangerous you know both standing uh and on the mat but I I just have general issues with kind of Kirk's fight IQ and you know his ability to win minutes you know the Bruno Sousa loss is one that just kind of sticks with me and I bet Kirk in that spot and you know Kirk basically let Bruno Karate Sousa just win out outside low volume decision like never let his hands go in the fight. Uh, didn't try to grapple him, even though he had a huge edge there. And then if you just want to swing at 180, the other end of the spectrum, you have the Billy Porantilla fight where he came out and just absolutely emptied the clip on a super durable guy in round one and then gassed out and got finished in round two. And so it's like, yeah, I think Kirk's got some tools, but I think he's got some fight IQ issues. I also really just don't like, you know, when Kirk's gotten put on his back. You know, he is a black belt, and he's got the jiu jitsu, but he likes to play off his back. And that's just something that, you know, Look, I know he swept Maquan three times, but in my opinion, Damon Jackson's much, much heavier on top than Maquan is. Like, personally, I would favor Damon Jackson in a fight with Maquan, and I think he would rag down Maquan pretty bad. What uh, I So, like, I kind of think if Maquan get, or if Damon gets on top of him, it's going to be tough for Camuilla to work back up. Um, on top of which, it's just like, look, I, I know Maquan's got better entries than Damon does you know he tends to just they're lot faster he gets the legs a lot quicker but Damon's going to go forward and initiate the clinch pretty much right away it's not going to be the kind of fight where you know Kirk's able to kind of dictate a pace and range dictate a low volume fight and pick his shots like Damon's not going to let him pick his shots you know he may hurt Jackson I think he has, certainly has the upside to finish Jackson early in this fight you know we've seen Jackson hurt before he's defensively a little susceptible to getting clipped in the pocket but you know damon's gonna force a pace here uh he's got a much more reliable gas tank he's got the better top game. he's he's definitely the better grappler all around um yeah for me it's just kind of like i look at the fight and i'm like unless kirk takes him out early i shouldn't say he can't win a decision he could but i think winning a decision is going to be an uphill battle just the activity of jackson is just so much better and like if anybody has a dominant decision upside here it's jackson not the other way around so yeah I, I like jackson here quite a bit i have met about 60 percent to win this fight uh in terms of props i don't know you know kurt like jackson subbed a million guys and and i guess you know theoretically he could sub a gassed out kirk late in this fight but I, I don't really think so to be honest like i'm kind of with you lock you know it's like one of these things where it's like you know jackson has always been a guy that fights for unders, but here you know I don't really think he's going to finish Kirk. Uh and so I kind of like the Jackson decision plus 200 plus 230 or whatever you can get.
0: I like it. I like it. All right. Let's keep this thing moving along. I can't believe we're only five fights in 40 minutes into this podcast, but we'll try to pick it up uh we got uh next up Uh, Trevin Jones, Trevin five-star Jones going up up against Javid Basharat in terms of odds. We got minus 150 on the contender series alum and plus 130 the return on Trevin Jones. Now, we kind of spoke about this fight in the DMs a a little bit earlier this week. Um, And I honestly thought that the line was a little bit unjust, and I think it was a lot to do with the recency bias, right? The last time we saw uh, Javid Bashrad in the cage, he went out there and bashed the shit out of uh, Oren Cowan that night. Uh, Pretty much a 10-7 round in that first round. Uh, Really made him pay for those terrorist remarks that the guy made at the the weigh-ins but the guy looked clean man the guy looks crisp i uh, i went even deeper into his tape and i was uh kind of impressed with what i saw man very good crisp shots down the middle has a very sneaky submission game as well uh the guy all offense, pretty much, right? Sometimes just yeah. a little bit patience, but he just waits for the uh, opportune moment to let his leg kicks go, to let his shots go. And uh, I think, defensively speaking, in terms of his grappling, I think he's good enough to deal with the the takedowns here of Trevin Jones. Because if uh, Trevin Jones is going to look to win this fight, I think he's going to want to drag this to the ground and have success there and try to control Javid on the ground. But I think I can trust Javid enough to, you know, either get back up to his feet, find a reversal, or even find a submission of his own. Uh, Trevin Jones went looks to grapple heavily right off the bat the guy seems to really wear it the later that the fight goes and that's just not a good look against a guy like uh Bashrat, who's always looking for the finish whether it's a choke or a KO uh obviously Jones the last time we saw him was actually at the, the Apex event that I was at where he got choked out by Saeed Jacob uh Kakermanov, who came in on short notice albeit uh, and, and got finished in that third round. There, not a good look for him there. And I think that Javid could produce a similar outcome. But rather than take a side here, because Trevin Jones, we obviously know he has a ton of knockout power as well. He could absolutely produce a finish. The under two and a half is at minus one twenty, and I think that is pretty good for both sides here. I think we can see uh, a KO or a sub from the Javid side. I think we could see a possible KO from the Trevin side. But I do lean on the Bashrat side, man. I I, I do like what I see from this kid. I think he has top twenty potential. If he can really bring everything together and continue to showcase what his skill set is, the guy normally used to be a London shoot fighter guy. I believe that's uh, uh, Michael Venom Page's gym uh, out there in London. Um, But since his contender series fight, he's actually stayed in uh, Las Vegas and he's been training at Extreme contour training with Jake Shields, really trying to round out his jujitsu game as best as possible. And uh, talking to Eric Nixon, the guys like the guy's just been hustling, working very hard in the gym, and really wants to make a, a statement in his UFC debut. And I believe him, man. I know there, that, that there's always some bias when you have a, a fighter or somebody connected to a fighter that's coming up. But uh, I, I truly believe what uh, Eric Nixick was saying about this guy. And I think that will see seem showcased this weekend against Jones. So uh, Bashrat inside the distance, plus 185, plus 165. I don't mind it. But the under two and a half to cover either outcome, I don't mind that either at minus 120. Uh, make your case for Trevin Jones because I know it's coming. Let's go.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like the strongest case in the world. I, I guess for me, I, I just don't really rate um, Basharat that highly from what I've seen from him, to be honest. You know, he looked great on contenders. There's no question about that, right? You know, obviously, he's got a pretty slick front choke game, but he's also fought like pretty much no one. And, you know, he's fought no one. You know, he relies a lot on his speed and athleticism, and it's a lot of that is that karate based style. But he hasn't really fought anybody really capable of punishing it. You know, he's fought no one who's going to throw an inside leg kick on it. Jones throws a lot of those. He hasn't really fought a decent boxer yet, and Jones is. You know, I worry about Trevin Jones' activity. You know, he can give away minutes, but also like I kind of think the archetype that Basharat is is somewhat similar to what Mario Batista was. And Jones did a pretty good job shutting down his volume even early in that fight. Uh, and so I, I just think Jones' up is a lot more reliable, even if it's less fast and less explosive. Um, he could get paced, I suppose, but we haven't seen Boshrod have to deal with somebody who's going to slam leg kicks, to be honest. Yeah, like Brandon just said it in the chat, like if you want like the Dior and Kalon fight... You know Arun didn't even show up to fight that fight and i bet around it's probably the yeah. worst bet i've ever made to be completely <laughs> the, honest I the most padded
0: 16 to no i think we've ever seen as well. Dude, it, it,
1: i mean he it, seriously i i mean he didn't he was basically dead from minute one in that yeah. fight and it's like everybody looks great if, if you let a professional mma fighter fight a guy that's going to give him zero resistance they're going to look phenomenal you know yeah. we've seen we see it all the time uh and that's kind of been the story of Basharat's career thus far. Now maybe he turns it around and shows us otherwise when they get in there. But I think Trevin's going to cause him some issues here with a lot of body standing. And in the grappling, look, I get it. You know, he struggled to get Kakramanov down last fight, gassed himself out trying, and got finished. Dude, Kokurmanov serious though. I he, you yeah, know, he, he is gave U- he is he gave Umar Nurmagomedov a serious fight, you know, in PFL. Um, so it's like I don't know how much stock to put into that against the guy that I really rate. And now he's fighting somebody who's fought nobody um i kind of think he's probably the better jones is probably the better grappler but again a lot of it's guesswork here right because i don't really know what Javid is because it's you know you see him fighting guys who would be minus a thousand or plus a thousand against any ufc fighter and it's like how is that are those skills going to translate i do think there are some stylistic edges here for jones though so i have a small bet on him on the money line props is a weird one though because like i you know jones has multiple knockouts in the ufc but if you actually go through his career he doesn't really have many knockouts you know prior to that <laughs> and he thought, you know the volume and batista knockouts are such weird outcomes in you know relation to the rest of trevin's career so i i kind of i kind of like jones by decision here to be honest it's a big number plus 350. Like I said, it's a rough card for props, but I just have this feeling that he's going to do a good job shutting down the volume here, maybe hit takedowns and just win minutes.
0: Yeah, I could see that as well. And yeah, uh, shout out to Saeed Jokob Kakramonov. That guy's going to be a problem inside the UFC. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen that um- Umar Namagameda fight, I highly suggest seeing so, uh, doing so. Um, all right, let's move on to the next fight. We got J.J. Aldridge going up against Jillian Robertson. In terms of odds, we have minus 130 on Robertson, plus 110. The return on J.J. Aldridge, who is plus 140 to open with, hung around that plus 135 range, and then a ton of money started to come in on her. And now she's uh, closing in at that plus 105, plus 110 spot um i've always been a big fan of jj aldrich you know she's cashed for me a couple of times uh especially as a dog against Poliana vienna a couple of years ago um this seems like a similar spot for her right where she wants to keep this fight upright and from there she should be able to do good with work with her striking excuse me um uh, she's not the most technical striker but she does good things in terms of crashing the pocket and landing some good shots and getting out without taking too much damage unless your name is sabina Mazo, where she was kind of able to wrap her up in those uh clinch positions that Muay Thai clinch and she was able to just beat her up with knees and uh, damage her there. So good win for Mazo in that spot and a good learning lesson from JJ Aldrich. Uh kind of similar to uh, Miranda Maverick earlier in the card. Uh Maverick, teammate of JJ Aldrich, shares a similar opponent, and that's obviously uh um uh, J- Jillian Robertson here. And uh, we saw Maverick do some good things on the feet, outstrike her and obviously kind of control the pace there. But she wasn't scared to go for the takedowns and really work the guard of Jillian Robertson, really try to touch her up from on top. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see the same thing from Aldrich here. Obviously, it's not... Uh, you know, it's not recommended that she goes out there and plays in the guard of Robertson because Robertson's very active off of her back, looking for reversals, looking for submissions. But I do think that Aldrich will be able to keep this fight standing for the most part. And from there, she should be able to touch up Jillian Robertson, who is more so flash than substance in the striking, right? Sure, she throws combinations every now and then, sure, she throws a head kick. But we all know at the end of the day, after that combination, after that head kick, whatever it is. She wants to get the fight to the ground, and I think that Aldrich will be ready to stuff those takedowns. Like Jalen has a decent wrestling game, but I think the majority of her success comes her from comes from her relentlessness in terms of chasing the takedowns over and over again. But I think that Aldrich will be uh, ready to go to stuff those takedowns and then have her way on the feet with her, which is why I think the line is closing the way that it is. So, I like uh, Aldrich. Bummed that I missed the plus 130 ish on her, but I still do think that she deserves to be a slight favorite in this spot. Uh, But even in terms of a prop, uh, Aldrich by decision at plus 200, not too shabby. Even the overs here, over two and a half and minus 135. I don't think it's going to be as easy as people expect it to be for Robertson to submit Aldrich. Last time we saw Aldrich submitted, I believe was their second or third ever pro fight, which was like six years ago, or uh, I believe at this time against jamie moyle way back in the day but i gotta believe that she i believe she changed training camp since then and she's been training uh, in denver with all those ladies miranda maverick uh, uh, i believe jessica aguilar is there now as well um a couple other names that are escaping me but i gotta believe that she's improved her jiu-jitsu game since then i'm going aldrich aldrich to be decision plus 200 how about yourself
1: yeah i'm right there with you i mean honestly the best bet on this fight is fight goes to decision you know i said this on my show last night but like to have Fight Goes the Distance be a plus number, you have to basically line Jillian like minus 250 here. Because, like, I'm not saying Aldrich can't finish her. She could. But J.J. Aldrich doesn't have a knockdown in the UFC, you know. Um, she doesn't have a finish or a KO in her career, I believe. And Jillian, you know, look, she got KO'd by Macy Barber. Different level of power and output, first of all. But, like, other than that, you know, she's been pretty tough. She survived Tyler Santos. She survived Miranda Maverick. Jillian's not an easy person to get out of there um even in the catch and battalion fights you know she took some damage early in those fights and she's not going to quit and she's pretty tough girl uh and so i don't think Aldrich has much finishing upside here and like i said i mean jillian's minus 150 you have to think that she just tortures her at a consistent basis to get this to be a plus number that makes zero sense to me i think it should be more like 60 65 percent in terms of the actual fight i mean you touched on most of it i largely think aldrich is going to be able to stay fit safe and win this fight on the feet um and if that is the case, you're probably gonna find Jillian pulling guard, and Aldrich is pretty good on top. I think she rides her out there. I, I, I'm more interested in fight goes the distance than I am aside. But in terms of money of uh, props on sides, the Aldrich by decision is probably one of I think the better ones on this card. So I like that here.
0: I like it. I like it. All right, let's keep this thing moving along. Next up, we got the prelim headliner between Matt Summersberger and AJ Fletcher. Uh, in terms of odds, we got plus uh, 160 on Fletcher, minus 190 on Summersberger. A ton of line movement on this fight. A lot of love for AJ Fletcher, who was sitting closer to plus 220-ish earlier in the week. Seeing. Uh, you know, even for the lock of the night and dog of the night challenge, everybody and their mother is submitting AJ Fletcher because they believe the line is completely off in this spot. I don't understand what's really making Samuelsberger a minus two fifty, minus two forty favorite. Right? He goes out there and starches two guys in a couple of seconds, and you know loses his other two fights, and all, or sorry, loses the fight to uh, Chaos Williams. But like, what what can we really take from the Carlton minus yeah. fight? Because you know Alaska FC product don't want to say, it, but gotta say it uh, starches Jason Witt. After Jason White throws a couple of naked leg kicks. Uh, And then Martin Sano. (laughs) Do I even have to say anything about that fight? AJ Fletcher shows some decent things, man. The guy has a proactive wrestling game and a grappling game when he needs it. Doesn't have a wrestling background. But based on how he goes out there and shoots his takedowns and waits for the opportune moments, you believe he has a wrestling background. Uh, Has heavy power in his hands. Has a proactive submission game as well. So, yeah, I get the the uh, underdog love on AJ Fletcher. I completely understand. With well, Samuelsberger, to fight his fight and to win, I think he needs to keep the kickboxing range and maintain the distance. I believe he has a, a three-inch height advantage as well as an eight-inch reach advantage, but I don't think it's going to be that prevalent here as aj fletcher does a really good job with his speed closing distance and i think that we'll see a grapple heavy approach from Samuelsberger. we've seen Samuelsberger struggle on the regional scene i believe it was only one fight but that was really the only fight where we saw somebody actually try to attack takedowns against him and i feel like fletcher will be doing the same thing here uh, Semelsberger has a bit of a jiu-jitsu background as well. Uh, I'm not sure how high level it is, but uh, I'm going to assume that it's going to keep him safe here against the guy in AJ Fletcher, which leads me to a couple props here. The over one and a half minus 155. I could see this being a grinding type of fight with Fletcher trying to establish that top position and grind him out. And the juicy one that I couldn't wait to drop for you guys here, uh, Fletcher via decision at plus 600. That line is crazy, especially considering that I kind of see it being that way. This all comes down to how good Semelsberger is going to be off of his back, right? There isn't a tremendous amount of tape out there about it, but we've seen him grind it and kind of survive that uh, that as well. Again, Fletcher is still a bit of an unknown, not too much tape out there on him. I believe there's like three total pro fights that i was able to find and then that last um amateur fight that i saw him had where, where he went to three three minute rounds and relied heavily on his grappling there where he wasn't able to put away his opponent so uh, and again that was only like two or three years ago so i, I don't know how good his grappling game or his jiu-jitsu game is going to be to get someone's burger out of there which is why that plus 600 catches my eye uh but i do like the underdog here i do like the over as well uh and i completely understand why all that love's coming in off letcher uh mr dog hunter all dogs matter but well, what do you what do you think here <laughs> not backing the dog here
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> no, i am i am not i will um, be honest like i would say this is probably the hardest fight for me to get a read on on the whole card because like i bet jason witt against uh, Matt Humberford but also like i felt like i had a pretty good read on Witz wrestling uh like Wit's a very good wrestler if he gets on top of you he's very good in top um i am not as convinced that fletcher is a good wrestler i know he's gotten a lot of takedowns regionally but most of the takedowns he's getting are on single shots like it's not like i'm seeing him get denied and then you know work to a single work to a double work to a body lock it's like change level get it and that's great you know his timing seems to be good but it's a lot harder to hit takedowns, um, just reactive takedowns in the UFC. It's just a reality. It's guys who know how to keep a base under them and measure distance. And, and so I'm not really convinced takedowns are going to come easy for him. Uh, on top of which, it's like with the Semelsberger side of things, obviously his regional tape, you know, there is a fight that makes the grappling look quite poor. That's why I bet with against him. But that fight was also like four and a half years ago. You know, I know he's at a jiu-jitsu gym now. And so it's like I've seen Fletcher on top of guys – I just have this suspicion he's not going to be a great control grappler in the UFC. You know, he doesn't really shut down underhooks the way you'd like to see from somebody who's going to grapple guys at the UFC level. And so, if if Samuelsberger's made improvements and he can just either sprawl and brawl or just get up, I think he dunks on Fletcher standing to be honest. I like you know it, but that's really the question, right? It's like I need more data on Fletcher's wrestling. I, my gut is it's not as good as it's being rated by the market. But i could be wrong and so i'd like to see more data there um but on the, but if, if i'm right and if Samuelsberg, and even if i'm not right and if samuelsberger's made you know adjustments and can just get up i think he's a much better striker here you know someone mentioned it in the chat but you know aj throws a lot of naked kicks here there's going to be opportunities for Samuelsberger to hurt him um i just think it's a pretty tough step up for fletcher here you know going from fighting Pretty much no one to Matt Samuelsberger. But on the other side of things, I also agree with you here. You know, Matt Samuelsberger is being chalked up like this because he has two knockouts against Martin Sanyo, who I'm still trying to figure out why he got a slot in the UFC.
0: Um, yes. Come on, we know um, Yeah, right. we know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we know. <laughs> and Jason Witt on the first strike of the fight. So he's being overvalued. What I'm inclined to do here, I'm with you on the over. I think Fade, the Samuelsberger KO. I'm even with you on you know maybe taking a shot at goes the distance you know um I don't really want to take a shot at a side just because I don't have a good enough read on the fight but I don't think Fletcher has this oppressive submission grappling game so like I don't know I could see Sammy playing it relatively safe against the guy who's going to try to take him down you know I kind of think the over and goes the distance are kind of sneaky looks here
0: Yeah, I'm completely on board with that as well. Uh, Over one and a half, again, around minus 155, minus 145, depending on the uh, bookie that you're with. And then the fight goes to decision is currently hanging around anywhere between plus 165 and plus 200. Some decent uh, value there if, you know, it actually ends up coming true. All right, that is a wrap on the prelims. Shout out to you guys. Shout out to the 120 live viewers that we currently have. Uh, make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe. Show my guy, John, some love as well. Follow him at MMA Fox on Twitter. And obviously check out his podcast, which is every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on the Club and Sub channel. Link to that channel is in the description below. Show those guys some love. All right. Let's get to the first fight on the main card. And it is a banger between Bruno Silva and Alex Pereira. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 180 on Pereira, plus 155 to return on Bruno Silva. Now, Bruno Silva revealed in his press conference yesterday that he's not going to be looking for takedowns. He's going to go out there and try to make a statement with a knockout. Again, this is why I don't like to take too much from fighter interviews because why would you lay out your game plan that you want to go out there and wrestle everybody and their mother knows you want to wrestle hell you even posted a picture of you on instagram wrestling bro he's gonna he's gonna attempt take that yeah he's going to attempt to take down at least (laughs) i i said i i'll come back to this tweet if he uh if he shoots it when he shoots a takedown within the first uh two and a half minutes of that first round um but yeah, so Alex Pereira, we obviously know the the whole story on him, right? Great kickboxer, nasty power. That lead left hook is absolute money for him. Uh, obviously, he has that win over Israel Adesanya on the kickboxing scene, and the UFC is trying to build him up to get to him to, to that point where he can get that title shot against Israel Adesanya because of that built-in storyline they already have. But. I'm not sure if you guys saw that image that I put out yesterday of Bruno Silva as Jason Voorhees standing behind Alex Pereira playing with the little Israel Adesanya. Because I think Silva could throw a wrench in those plans, man. The guy's a decent striker himself. Sure, he gets hit a little bit, so he's going to have to be very cautious. But that's where I think that the possible wrestling upside could work out for him. His defensive wrestling, uh, you know, he gets taken down. Obviously, he gets taken down, but does a very good job in terms of nullifying the amount of damage put against him. Then he eventually gets back to his feet and just meme KOs his opponents over and over again, not only in the UFC, but way back in Russia as well, where he's going up against guys like Alexander Slomenko and some of these other big names as well. I do think that what we'll see him use the wrestling offensively this time though. I do think what we'll see him kind of hold him up against the cage and try to drag him to the mat. Heck, Andreas Mihalidis had success doing that for 5 minutes. And you're telling me that a guy like Bruno Silva won't be able to, a black belt Bruno Silva, not to mention a cardio machine in Bruno Silva because he's not just finishing these guys in the first round. He's getting grappled and having to defend and work for 20 minutes again, even if you go back to the regional uh to to the M1 days, His cardio is legit, and I feel like he can push a pace here on Alex Pereira, especially with the grappling, clinching, and takedown game. Again, I'm questionable in terms of his efficacy in terms of landing the takedowns. How is he going to actually get those takedowns and and control him there? But I don't know if Alex Pereira actually has, you know, the crazy takedown defense. So he showed it a little bit in the Mihalides fight, but still. How much is that work with glover to share really going to pay off and is it going to help him over a 15-minute fight because is bruno silva going to be tired like Mihalides was in that second round i don't think so i think you still be able to go back to pushing him up against the cage and trying to drag the fight to the ground and just winning off a control time i do like bruno silva here a decent bit i'd be surprised if he willingly strikes with him at kickboxing range for 15 minutes again Alex Pereira doesn't need 15 minutes to knock you out. He can knock you out in two minutes if you choose to go that route. And Bruno Silva, knowing the position that he's in right now, knowing the winning streak he's on right now, knowing that this exact position where a win for Alex Pereira could vault him into a title contender shot, it could do the same thing for him if he goes out there and gets the win over Bruno Silva. So why, or if he gets the win over Alex Pereira. So why risk it and try to kickbox with Alex Pereira? At plus 155 and for a guy that has, what's the number here? 28 mma fights compared to five (laughs) mma fights from alex Pereira. you're giving me plus 155 you're damn right i'm taking the shot on the underdog here Uh, i this is a serious question for you john uh uh, actually you know what let me give my props first and then i'll give you the question and you can take over for the breakdown uh bruno silva or actually first and foremost the over one and a half plus 140 i think that's a decent spot here again a lot of people expect them to sling guns i don't think so i think that would be a horrible game plan from bruno silva And even Bruno Silva via decision, plus 900, plus 850. Worth a little bit of a shot if you think he's just going to go out there and try to grapple him. Maybe he tries to start to let his strikes go later in this fight so he can, like, you know, prove a point and actually have, like, a a dominant victory after he's slowing down uh, Alex Pereira with the grappling. Silva by KO is plus 225. But I've seen those people with the tinfoil hat. I've seen those people put out the Silva by submission at plus 1600. He's a black belt. It could happen. So maybe Silva KO or sorry, Silva submission plus 1600 or Silva decision at plus 900. Or if you have one of those bookies that allows you the submission decision, I think that's a damn good look for Bruno Silva. But even at plus 155 as a straight up underdog, give me some Bruno Silva. Uh, The question I was going to ask you, John, can you remember off the top of your head people with five or less uh, pro MMA fights coming into a big stage, Bellator, PFL, UFC, Coming with a decorated striking background. Have they really been successful in the MMA game? The only names that come to me are Closer Shields. Obviously, we saw her lose to a, a bomb they picked up in Mexico. Uh, shout out to my girl, Abigail Montez. yes, Yeah, yeah. Zaruk. Uh, exactly. Zaruk Adishov. There you go. Again, that's probably a guy there. But yeah, is there any other names that come to you? And then obviously, Robertson was for the glory.
1: Robertson was glory. You know, yeah.
0: obviously, no, I, I
1: mean, I'm with you. I, obviously, you know, when you're talking about Alex Pereira, you're talking about a different level than most of the kickboxers we've seen other than Izzy, but I think that's a problem. Like you have people drawing a one-to-one, like Izzy was an elite glory kickboxer, Pereira is, Izzy's champion, therefore Pereira will be, but that's nonsensical. You know, Izzy, I I read that Izzy was like basically training for his MMA transition for like eight years, but you know, they basically set it up perfectly. He had 11 MMA fights before he went to the UFC. It's not like Izzy had Two fights, and then they're like, "Oh, go in there." And I hear people like, "Oh, you know, he's training with Glover." It's like, motherfucker, do you know how much harder it? Is? Do you know, you know when these guys are sparring, no one's firing knees or body kicks hard at him, right? <laughs> like no one's throwing <laughs> elbows in there. No um, one's in there trying to like you know break his arm or put him unconscious, submit him unconscious, you know? Do you know how much different it is? Like there's a reason experience matters generally, and it's like yeah, he has kickboxing experience, but in some respects, I think kickboxing. Look, Izzy has managed to blend the. Uh, Professional kickboxing into MMA kickboxing very effectively, but most guys really don't. Like watch go watch Bruno or not Bruno, Alex Pereira's fights, you know, regionally. Now there were a couple years ago, a couple of them. He doesn't really move his head though. He's gotten into some serious brawls, It brawls in there. You know, he doesn't have the kind of ring craft that Izzy has where Izzy can play the outside game, like you saw against the Paulo Costa, where he can just jab and kick you and move. Andres Mikalinas is like, okay, I don't want to stand at range. I'm going to go forward. And Alex Ferber is like, okay, I'm going to back up to the fence here. You know, that's, that. that's, <laughs> yeah. he's very easy to back up there. And like, you know, they're talking about it in the chat, but it's like, why can't Bruno Silva knock him out? Yeah. You know, like if he goes forward, it, you know, you know what happens when you don't move your head and you back up to the fence? Suddenly you've nowhere to go. It's called the James Vick. You know, this is what happens to guys who back up to the fence. And so if they're swinging, I mean. Silva probably hits close to as hard as Pereira does so if they're swinging in the pocket I actually kind of trust Silva's striking defense in MMA anyway better than I trust Pereira's um obviously to your point you know I I hope Bruno Silva shoots takedowns here I think he's fucking crazy if he doesn't I I think but you know hopefully he'll shoot them here but obviously he has massive grappling upside We've seen Al Pereira gas out horribly in the past in MMA. Also, for what it's worth, kickboxing rounds are only three minutes and don't involve grappling. I think his cardio is a serious question here. You know, when I look at his fight, I'm like, pretty much I kind of think that Pereira kind of needs to finish him in the first seven minutes. Like, I I really kind of think that's the case here. And that if he doesn't, like, down the stretch, it's probably going to be all Bruno. Uh, you know, one thing that I think is noticeable from the Nicolaitis fight is Nicolaitis grappled him, but... It wasn't the kind of grappling pace that's really going to exhaust the guy. Like, if you watch it, he wasn't really throwing ground and pound or looking to advance position. He was kind of just controlling in there and just exhausted himself. Ferrer was kind of just cool to just chill. Um, I don't think you're going to see that from Bruno. He's going to probably come out here and make this a sloppy, messy pace. And obviously, that's a fight that Ferrer could theoretically win. You know, If he comes out here and ices him, I won't be shocked. But, you know, the talk about a potential super fight between Alex Pereira and Izzy, I'll guarantee you this, Van Preet, unless the UFC hasn't fucking cut over all of the rankings, that dude is never fighting Israel Adesanya <laughs> in the UFC cage. That is a fucking guarantee. Now, obviously, if Dana pulls some shit, which it's the UFC, half the time it's a sport, half the time it's a carnival, maybe maybe he'll win this fight and they will go stick him in there with you know Israel Adesanya, but he's not going to earn his way up there. You know what? If he beats Bruno Silva go send him to fucking Derek Brunson to commit a homicide and I don't put that (laughs) in the ground but anyway anyway I think there's a lot of scope for Bruno Silva to win this fight to be honest you know to your point he's a far more experienced fighter he has all the grappling upside he has the cardio upside he probably has as much KO upside as Alex Pereira has here um I love Bruno Silva here I'm gonna end up hitting the money line pretty hard I've been waiting for the line to kind of pop back out but it hasn't thus far um but i'm going to smash it over here in terms of props like see this is one of those where i'm like looking at it and i'm like oh yeah you know where could you go reno you know, there's a lot of ways Silva could win this fight like if he does grapple and he could sub him, he could go out there and knock him out or to your point you know he could go out there and just win a decision so like i would bet just bet silva but if you guys really are going to push me to give a prop on this fight i'm kind of with here you for. that's what we're here for <laughs> i'm kind of with you the silva silva by decision I kind of I'm kind of with it I kind of fuck with it a plus 800 you know I I, I don't mind it
0: I like it I like it again it's one of those spots where like I saw a lot of people saying there's no way this goes to a decision they just said that about Joaquin Buckley and uh Abdul Razak al-Hassan the other week I mean go ahead
1: and uh Bix Mitch just mentioned it in chat I think this is really the point um Pereira does everything high guard wise like kickboxing yeah. they have like boxing level gloves they're big you don't need to move your head and he was never really a cage craft guy anyway he'll stand in there and bang it's very different bruno's gonna fucking ship it for the boys this weekend i i, I hope you guys get on board
0: i, I took the shot at plus 150 because again like you i was trying to be patient and see where that line goes but the more that i'm like seeing people's reactions and stuff and i know sometimes it's not always what the yeah. twitter timeline or people say but i'm seeing a lot of people on the bruno silva side more than i thought right so me too,
1: me too but- maybe
0: this is the peak of the line at this point in time um yeah, there's a couple of comments I did want to quickly uh, mention here. Shout out to Ambe sticking her flag in the ground still about uh, Whitaker beating Israel out of Like almost every stream that I see her comment in of mine, she still brings that fight up. And then uh, shout out to Jack Attack as well saying, uh, Saki, son of uh, the Roundtree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was his example of the, somebody with kickbox. Uh, great kickboxing experience but not enough mma experience and got deaded by oh
1: gokhan yeah i bet him against roundtree exactly so again that's
0: another example of mma guys can still knock out kickboxing guys and gokhan was serious man he was a serious kickboxer you know Yeah, exactly exactly all right. <laughs> yeah, shout out to DHJC once again. Never forget Whitaker 245. I love it. I love it. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got four more, five more fights to get through. It's a six-fight main card. Uh, Next up, we got Drew Dober going up against short notice Terrence McKinney. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 165 for Dober, plus 145 the return on Terrence McKinney. Now, we saw uh, Dober about minus 240, and the line has gradually started to close as the, the, as the fight week has gone on and i kind of get it man terrence McKenny, like he might be a meme on twitter and all that stuff but the guy has a solid ground game and i think that's something that we see Dober struggle with here in his last three fights the guy's given up 11 takedowns most of them uh, especially to a a kickboxer and brad riddell and i'd be surprised if mckenny won't be able to ground this fight either not to mention even in the alexander hernandez fight with hernandez hurt he's still giving up takedowns so that's not a good look at all uh, this is one of those spots where I think we can just target the the, the, the unders or the yeah. round prop specifically. Terrence McKenny, 11 out of his 12 wins, all coming in the first round. Last time around against Ferris there's plus 650 <clears throat> for him to win in round one. Now the line is currently sitting at uh, plus 400 for him to win in round one, which I still think is a decent shot, right? Coming in on short notice, say what you want about him, possibly you have bloating up after that Pharisee and win two weeks ago. But I don't know if his cardio is going to fare well if this fight does go after that, yeah. uh, after uh, the, the five minute mark. So, uh, the spot that I do honestly like the most, though, I know it's chalky. Fight doesn't go to decision at minus 230. Dobra has shown the ability, excuse me, Dobra has shown the ability to finish fights later on uh in 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 like a second or third round and i feel like with mckinney with how much he starts to slow down i think that he'll be susceptible to getting clipped and rocked and finished by a guy like drew dober as well and then obviously we know the finishing upside of mckinney in round one like i laid out earlier so uh mckinney round one plus 400 dober round two plus 500 and dober round three plus 1000 but the fight doesn't go to decision at that chalk you know i already have that parlayed with something uh that's where i'm going to be going with as my favorite prop for this one how do you see this one going down
1: hey man Preet, did you know terrence mckinney died twice
0: <laughs> i didn't <laughs>
1: actually yeah
0: that's, that's serious please tell me more
1: yeah i um <laughs> Yeah, you know, McKinney's an interesting guy. You know, I, I think theoretically I kind of like him as a prospect just because I, I actually do rate his wrestling quite a bit. You know, obviously he has a college wrestling background. I think his entries are great. He changed takedowns together pretty well, and he seems to have a pretty good top game. That I mean, granted, I don't really rate what he did to Perez and ZM that much because yeah, I'm obviously just not a great grappler. But I, I liked what I've seen from it. My big concern with McKinney, and I think it's the concern everybody has, is what does the cardio look like? And it's more – with some guys, I'd be less concerned, but with McKinney, even grappling in the Xeon fight, even transitioning, he's using such huge actions, actions to transition from position to position. It's just like, like you look at most grapplers; you can grapple for fifteen minutes, and everything is kind of like silky smooth. There isn't a lot of explosion being used. It's cool. that's not yeah, that's not what he does. And so, like I, I am inclined to think he probably is going to gas out one of these days you know when a fight gets extended you know we did see in the uh fight with um sean woodson i'll tell you in round two of that fight those takedowns were coming a lot slower now he wasn't like breathing heavy but you could see the shots were getting lazier in round two of that fight and so i have some serious concerns about his cardio but in round one here i do think if he grapples first you know there are there is scope for him to have success early in this fight you know Dober has only defense takedowns at 55%. A lot of guys have taken him down. He's been subbed five times. You know, there is some scope for McKinney just cooking him early. I do think, though, once Dover gets his feet under him here, as this fight goes on, he's eventually going to take over. And if McKinney can't just hold him down later in this fight, he's going to punish him down the stretch. Because I think, personally, I think McKinney's striking is being very overrated on a couple of, like, kind of meme moments. Like, you look at some of those KOs in round one. I think he had two or three straight head kicks that were in the first like 40 seconds of a fight like like try doing that with drew dober if he stands in there and bangs with dober i think it's going to go pretty poorly for him um but i think mckinney's got a good shot early in this fight to be honest I, i really do it's just a if he can't get dober out of there early and I think it's more likely than not he won't because Drew Dober has had, what, 15 UFC fights? The guy is yeah. ranked, ranked at 155 pounds. Um, I do think Dober will take over. and I think Dober's ultimately going to finish him down the stretch here. I, I look, I'm going to keep it simple here. Honestly, in terms of props, it's juicy. I like doesn't go the distance, though, at minus 220. I like the under here. Um, if you really want to get fighter-specific – dober wins inside the distance of plus 160 there's i see plus 160 at Dimes. I know not many people have that but plus 140 otherwise isn't bad otherwise like i wouldn't lay the dober money line i'd rather just wait and bet it live to be honest um and just pat look if dober kicks his ass in round one okay i can pass that but i'm not really interested in backing a money line where a guy potentially could spend all of round one on his back you know
0: yeah, no, great look with the live betting opportunity as well because yeah, in almost any Terence McEnany fight, that's kind of the 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 drill. Yeah, if he if your opponent survives round one, bet him, uh, bet against him in round two. Um, all right, let's move on to the next fight. Here we got uh, Khalil Roundtree uh, coming in at plus one fifteen. He's going up against Carl Robertson at minus one thirty five. Sorry, I should have said father of Gokansaki, Saki, Khalil Roundtree coming in at plus 115 he's going up against carl roberson now carl roberson's had a rough little stretch over his last couple fights right the public perception of carl roberson is not that high like since let's go back to wow goddamn, he's had since the roman kopilov fight which was november of 2019 he's had one two three four five six fights fallouts and only competed two times. One of those being against Marvin Vittori. We obviously know the whole beef there, chasing him down in the hotel lobby, calling him a fraud, saying that he should have taken the fight, all that shit. Mrs. Wade, not a good look for him at all. Uh, then the Brendan Allen fight, uh, probably the worst fight IQ I've ever seen. Trying to go leg lock for leg lock against a guy who's much better oh, in Jiu-Jitsu against uh, Brendan Allen, and then eventually losing that with uh, you know just seconds remaining in that first round as well. Because he was looking good on the feet that's his bread and butter right kickboxing background has great uh uh, combinations good feeling of how to kind of maintain his distance and he does have a sneaky you know grappling game of his own something that you wouldn't suspect from uh from a k1 guy but you know you can't be tangling up on the ground against a guy like brendan allen who has just been salivating at the mouth to get the fight to the ground but in this fight against clear Roundtree, sure go ahead shoot your takedowns but even if this is a 15-minute kickboxing fight i still think that Carl Roberson could be very effective in this spot Khalil Roundtree, he's a berserker when he comes out. That's how he was able to hit, hurt Modestus bogaskis and then eventually finish him with that weird teep to the knee. Um but we saw his his output we saw his tenacity everything start to slow down after he wasn't able to get him out of there initially and i think bukowskis was just rattled from that initiate uh, from that initial uh exchange and that allowed khalil to kind of dictate the rest of the fight i'd be surprised if that if a similar situation happened with carl roberson where khalil hurts him early but doesn't finish him and then carl just kind of you know gives up the front foot to the most time to. to clear for the rest of the fight i'd be surprised if he does that because i think he believes in the striking enough that he could go out there and go strike for strike against a guy like khalil so i do actually like the Roberson side here i don't even think uh it's out of question that he'll initiate the grappling here too i think he could get this fight to the ground and control cleo on the ground as well but even in a 50-minute kickboxing fight i favor core roberson the better yeah. cardio the better striker better combinations all that stuff khalil Knockout or bust in this fight, man. You get out kicked by Marcin Pratnial for 15 minutes. What makes you think you're going to beat a guy like Carl Roberson? The other thing that I want to point out, and shout out to anybody that has access to prize picks, but prize picks tips is holding Carl Roberson's uh, significant strikes at 37 and a half. I think you can go over on that one, especially if this goes a a full 15 minutes like I'm expecting it to. So in terms of a prop, Carl Roberson uh, via decision plus 300, not too bad. If you want to be sneaky, you want to seek that submission prop Something that he's been able to cash on in the past It's sitting at plus 800 But I expect this more so to be a kickboxing match With a little bit of clinching Maybe a takedown attempt or two from Roberson But I do think we see Roberson outstrike him over 15 minutes Cash that over 37 and a half Significant strikes And cash that minus 135 on uh, Roberson Moneyline How do you see this one? So we're going to play
1: Wikicap with John here for a second we
0: get into <laughs> real I should have like a segment Like a, a, an <laughs> intro thing
1: Mickey <laughs> cap with John <laughs> Let's so Carl Roberson enters the UFC 6-0 comes from a kickboxing background gets tossed in there his first or second fight in the UFC with Mutanche Fajeda high level black belt gets submitted his next loss comes two fights later gets thrown in there with the current 205 pound champion Glover Teixeira gets finished on the mat his next loss comes a couple years down the road he fights Marvin Vittori who just fought for the middleweight title And then his last fight was obviously brendan allen who's a fairly high level black belt who heel hooks him he now meets khalil roundtree who's a gassy kickboxer one of these things is not like the other four um (laughs) that is what i'll say i mean they really i gotta tell you they really did no favors to carl robertson's development with how they brought him along um look i know he has he looks like a champion the way he's built he's obviously a physical specimen uh but you know a guy who's coming over from kickboxing you don't want to be thrown in the deep end with a, with a ton of shape of head i like, glowed to Shara right off the bat like what are you doing um but yeah i mean i agree with most of what you said i mean look first of all it could roundtree ko him early in this fight i think it's live you know but i think roberson manages distance very well to be honest when we have seen him in space like i'm not really sure i would rate roundtree striking much if at all above kopalov's uh, you know i think people overrate it because he's looked good against a lot of like shitty fighters you know that let him get away with a lot of his sloppy tendencies then he fights martin Procnia, who actually will throw back at him and he gets punished for a lot of those tendencies and i think that's what's going to happen here you know all those winging overhand lefts he throws he's going to be eating check hooks for days here if he tries to do that with roberson to be honest um i have some concerns with roberson's volume but also khalil's not really a volume striker and so if the fight gets extended, it's like even if it's a low volume fight, we've seen Khalil gas in low volume fights. You know, it's not like this is only a guy who gasses when he goes nuts. He gasses pretty reliably. So I favor Roberson on minutes on the feet Like I probably put him at 55-60% in the stand-up fight. Close, but you know, moderate favor Roberson. But you know, if he wants to take it to the ground, he probably can. You know, Roberson to his credit, while he is a horrible grappling IQ and defensively is a mess on the mat he actually has like a kind of like slick it's almost like a blue belt level slickness though submission grappling where he has a decent back take he's athletic um you know subbing Darren Stewart that was pretty impressive you know I think he could come out here and I think he could sub uh Khalil if he wants if he wants and he just wants to attempt takedowns and wear on him early I think he can do that you know the guy mostly out grappled Wellington Jermon who's a black belt um yeah, I, I bet Roberson uh, at around evens here, I, I think in terms of props, it's kind of a weird one because like, I don't know, I'm leaning Roberson decision plus 300 to be honest with you. That that That's my gut here because I, I kind of think Khalil will try to stand up and I, Roberson is not exactly a guy who's going to consolidate top position. So, yeah, I, I kind of like Roberson by decision plus 300.
0: Ty Leal was probably one of the craziest oh moments in time that we had, right? But that's against Eric fucking Anders, who's going to allow I you to do that. In that. fight. Yeah, and he just absolutely torched him. And a lot of people are holding on to that. A lot of people are thinking that we're going to get a resurgence of Ty Leo, <laughs> but they keep getting let down over I mean, and over again. Did you did you think he looked good against Bukowski? Like, Bukowskis? Nah, again, I thought Bukowskis was just too rattled from getting rocked and hurt early in that fight, and yeah. he just was not able to put anything together after that. I mean, if
1: Khalil comes out that aggressively, it's going to get ugly down the stretch if he doesn't finish him, honestly. Exactly.
0: All right, let's move on to the next one here. We got Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres going up against Sadiq Youssef. In terms of odds, we got uh, minus 235 on Youssef and plus 190 on Alex Caceres. Uh, I messaged you earlier in the week when I'm like, I'm putting together my lock of the night play and obviously it's got to include somebody in the main event, but I think that I got to put somebody else with them to kind of make it a little bit better. And Youssef was one of the first names that I kind of looked at as, okay, you know, he should go out there and start Bruce Leroy. But I I remember betting against Sadiq Youssef in his first every UFC loss against Arnold Allen glad to catch that one but the the thing here is like he does start to slow down later in fights and and that's kind of a concern against Alex Caceres who you know he has solid cardio for 15 minutes but if there's a fight that you want to look at to try to compare the two it would probably be the Andre Feely fight but in that Andre Feely fight we don't really get too much of a feel of how do how Sadiq Youssef's going to fair with the uh w- with the striking especially early in that fight because i believe it was the majority of round two where he got feely down off of a check kick or something like that and just held him down for about four minutes and then looked tired after doing so and then got touched up by andre feely in that third round lost that third round but still obviously did enough to win those first two because there's tricky on the feet right he's very tricky on the feet but i feel as though the the glimpses of stuff that we saw from sungwoo choi in that fight kind of lead me to believe that was his use of kind of nailing with the same shots that choi was able to until Alex was just jumped on his back and took that rear naked choke with him that was so weird like he didn't it didn't even seem like choi knew what the fuck he was doing to try to defend that rear naked choke but here again, Sadiq Youssef, I think, was the use of kind of stock in the majority of this time. If Casares wants to throw those naked, naked leg kicks, he's going to get blasted with those straight shots down the middle from Sadiq. I think Sadiq still has some solid potential. I don't think his cardio falls off to the point that I'm going to be completely scared that Caceres will finish him in the third round. But I think at a certain point, We'll see Sadiq Yusuf land a nuke. And I think Alex Caceres is going to go down like a ton of bricks. Uh, I get it. He's on his career best five fight winning streak right now against probably the lowest of low competition that you can get in the UFC. Thank you, by the way, Public, for giving me plus 175 on Alex Caceres against Chase Super. Ooh, that was so nice. That was probably one of the easiest, best you can ever make on an underdog. But what are his other wins? I did take the bait on Kevin Kroom. I'll say that. I was a sucker for taking Kevin Kroom in that fight. And he absolutely mollywhopped him in that spot. Uh, he beat Steven Peterson, Austin Springer, who he uh, choked out, and then Sungu Choi, which I think was his best win. But up until that submission, he was getting touched up. And I think that Sadiq Yusuf can do much worse to Alex Caceres in that spot. So I do like Yusuf not paying the chalk on him here, though. But the KO prop at plus 200 is not too bad as I could absolutely see him stinging Casares over and over again, eventually getting him out of the, out of there with strikes. Caceres, notoriously durable, right? He got choked up by Cron Car- Gracie in his last loss. Uh, he got choked up by Jason Knight uh, back in 2017. The last time we actually see him finish via KO was Francisco Rivera uh 2015 shout out to francisco rivera as well absolute okay. savage of a fighter but there's a good case that a lot of the fighters that he fought since then uh not the greatest knockout punches maybe yair rodriguez he has some decent uh power yusuf's uh, a pretty big hitter exactly useless not yusuf um choi exactly. But exactly and troy was dropping him yeah Troy was yeah. hitting him and dropping him as well so well, outside Yang. of those guys right I think that we can see Yusuf land that uh that bomb and get uh Kaceres out of there so uh Kaceres, or sorry uh Yusuf Yusuf KO plus 200 what do you see for this fight
1: I, I like the Sarah side um not like super passionate about it but I I think it's worth a small poke on the money line I, I you know I, it's funny because like, I don't really I know Yusuf has kind of got this aura of a super prospect about him. But I actually don't think he's much, if any, better than Choi is. I do think he's a more responsible submission grappler. I will say that. I'd be pretty surprised if Casera, you know, he's an Irving guy. And when Feely tried to wrestle him, we saw he actually knows what kind of what he's doing on the mat. So, like, I don't really think you're going to get any kind of Casera standing back kicks. But I can't shake this feeling. Like, Yusuf's had some issues with Southpaws, man. You know, he lost the Allen fight. Now, granted, I will say, I think he won minutes in that fight, and if he didn't land, you know, if he didn't get hurt twice, he probably wins that fight. But you go back to the Gabe Benitez fight, who's kind of like a similar archetype to Caceres, you know, he didn't really seem to know know what to do when Benitez was kind of circling to his weak side and just firing the left down the pipe. And you're going to see Caceres kind of play that same game. You know, Yusuf tends to throw big hooks, while Caceres tends to throw everything straight. And, you know, I think he's going to be minute to minute and second to second I think it's a very close fight like I think Caceres keeps up on output without really any difficulty here I think he's going to land without too much difficulty here um the big issue of course with Sadiq is you know the bomb and to your point you know in the Choi fight obviously he hurt Caceres a few times throughout that fight and that's kind of a concern for me here to be honest it's why like like if I didn't think Yusuf could hurt or would hurt Caceres I'd bet him pretty heavy because I think it's going to be a competitive fight but he does have that upside and even if it goes 15 minutes there's a decent chance that um, Yusuf could just win on damage optics but I do kind of think it's interesting that he won't have you know the leg kicks probably his, the low outside calf kicks probably his best weapon and that's probably off the table with the southpaw stance against him so I think it's an interesting fight like I favor Yusuf um uh, you know what's interesting in terms of props like I don't feel great about props just because it's like Caceres plus 200. but you know Sadiq's been hurt in just about every fight he's been in you know the guy's been finished a couple times he gets bogged you know Gabriel Bonita has hurt him pretty badly before he got finished uh Caceres never has a k Has doesn't have a ko in his career yet but I actually think Caceres plus 900 ko is actually a sneaky decent look because I do think he's going to land that left a bunch here so I, I don't know I think it's interesting
0: so you're saying violence in this fight is what you're expecting
1: yeah yeah I don't I don't I I honestly don't because you know I am not the biggest violence better ever typically but these guys are gonna throw they both throw a lot of strikes Yusuf hits really hard and he's also a bit of a glass cannon against a guy who's gonna throw shots back at him I I kind of think it is a decent spot for violence
0: under two and a half currently sits at plus 135 for I don't think that's bad I
1: think that's pretty good
0: I like it I like it all right let's move on to the next fight here co-main event slot we got Marlon Marais going up against Song Yedong. Minus 240 on Yedong and plus 195 the return on Marlon Marais who now calls Thailand home. Guy keeps trying to switch up camps. Obviously we know he used to train there at Mark Henry's gym in New Jersey. Went down to ATT. That didn't work out. Now he's over there in Thailand. And unless they're giving this guy a third lung over there in Thailand I don't know what the hell he's going to expect to change here. He was already a great striker. Why well, go to Thailand when your striking is already great? You know what I mean? But I'm interested to see what they're able to do with him. Uh Song Yudong, on the other hand, uh looked very good in his last couple of outings. Uh the the Casey Kenny one really sticks out to me a lot because I thought Kenny was gonna, you know, be able to outscramble him and outwork him in that fight. But uh Song Yudong did a really good job in terms of shutting that down and then obviously getting the better of the striking. And then last time around, we saw him go out there and knock out Julio Arce in round two. The, this this is another spot where I kind of like the violence, right? Fight doesn't go to decision, currently sitting at minus two fifty, but I'm that the, there's a the only one thing that kind of has me scared is like we saw the marlon Moraes and jose aldo fight go the full 15 minutes and that wasn't that long ago but i think that was more so based on jose aldo's lack of wanting to risk the biscuit essentially right uh it's very difficult uh to to Take too much from that Aldo fight because Aldo was just trying to be disciplined, trying to stay on the outside, throw his leg kicks, do whatever the fuck he was doing. But he didn't want to close the pocket or have those close the distance and engage in the pocket to let his strikes go there. Whereas I think that Song Yudong will be more than happy to comply with that. And especially if he goes out there and try to pressures Marlon right off the bat and try to drain that gas tank by just having him on his back foot, that knockout is eventually going to come. But Marlon Moraes is still dangerous in that first round. We saw it in the Morab fight. You know, he was very close to finishing him. Maybe another ref steps in and finishes that fight, and we're getting Moraes still down at ATT coming off of a win. But that's not the case here. But Marlon Moraes to win in round one, plus... 650 850 i seeing at a couple places that is absolutely crazy because the guy has crazy knockout power um and then on the flip side for song your dog just taking ko straight up at minus 110 eh, again i wish we were getting a little bit of a better line there but uh, the fight doesn't go to the decision is probably where my money's at here at minus 225 um song likes to crash the pocket likes to put the pressure on his opponents and i think that he'll eventually find that knockout against marlon probably in the second or third round of this fight but i don't want to discredit marlon fully because the guy is a beast right former title challenger former uh wsof champ for as long as he was um i think he still has a lot to show uh but i think that song will eventually find that chin and song's chin is just Fucking godlike it's insane the amount of damage that guy can take but i think it will stay up for him uh, in this fight and he'll be able to get uh, that finished probably in the second or third round fight doesn't go to decision minus 225 song you dong what about you john
1: um yeah i i like i don't know I, I i'm a little skeptical on song this week if i'm being honest because i, I think if song approaches this in the right way which would be going after Marias aggressively for minute one. I think he obviously has a pretty good shot to get him out of there or just break him via cardio death. But, you know, if he does do that, he's going to leave himself open to getting hurt by Marias early in this fight. Uh, But I still think that's probably the optimal outcome for him because Song is historically durable. Like, he's not going to out-technical Mariahs. And so, you know, getting into a brawl probably favors Song. But, you know, Song has had a history of kind of fighting to his opponent's pace. Like you look at the Kenny fight, the Kyler Phillips fight. He kind of was kind of content to kind of fight at a fairly low pace fight. And then you have Vera fight where Vera went after him and he was more than happy to kind of exchange with him. But Song traditionally has kind of been willing to do what his opponents wanted to do. And so, you know, he's probably Marlin, I actually think has the chance to sustain more gas here than he might normally have, just because look Marlon's not going to go out there and push a face so and if it turns into a low volume outside kickboxing match I still have to favor song in a decision because even in a low volume fight at this point it's hard for me to trust 15 minutes of gas for Marlon but I think he can get off on kicks here which could be significant and I think he can win minutes early in this fight um so I kind of think the money line's a bit off here but with that said I, I do think being reasonable here you have to favor song and you have to think that mariah's chance to win this fight is likely pretty front-loaded uh i like Marias plus 800. look i know song's been durable but kyler phillips doesn't not many people kick like Marias does so i like the mariah's ko early i actually like the song you want to take a wrap i don't know what fanduel has it at right now but i think round three decisions probably a good look or just take a shot at song ko you know
0: i like it i like it again I, th- I think the line is disrespectful i believe that you're correcting that but i think it's more so based on how marash has been finished over his last couple fights yeah. and people think that song could replicate that i think he can but i'm not sure if it's at the minus 240 clip that a lot of people are yeah. expecting it to be all right that brings us to our main event but I do want to take the time to remind the 120 live viewers that we currently have to smash that like, hit that subscribe, and show my guy John some love as well, as well as his podcast, Club and Sub Podcast, every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Link to their channel in the description below. And obviously follow him on Twitter as well, at MMA Fox. All right, let's get to the main event here. Magomed taken on taking on Tiago Santos. Terms of odds, obvious heavy chalk on the Magomed here at minus 550, plus 385, the return on Tiago Santos. I'm having troubles in terms of trying to figure out what the best prop is for this matchup, right? Cuz if Thiago Santos yeah. complies with the low volume kickboxing fight, this is going 25 minutes with Doncai probably etching him out every single round. You know, landing the better strikes, being more technical. His his striking defense rate, I just want to quickly pull that up. It's probably one of the best inside the UFC cuz the guy does a really good job in terms of hitting without getting hit. Striking defense rate currently sitting at 62%. I think that the most live we've seen anybody uh, against Magomed Anka live, outside of that one second where fucking Paul Craig submits him in his UFC debut was Nikita Krylov in that first round of their fight. But great in-fight adjustment for Magomed Anka live, taking rounds two and three with a little bit more of a grapple-heavy approach and just taking that decision victory home. Uh, it was Volkan Uzdemir who tried to set the pace with his uh, striking in that first round. Uh, I believe he hit Magomed with a really good shot. Didn't really hurt him per se, but landed some good shots, got some confidence off that and then in turn got countered effectively by Magomed in that first round dropping him and then after that it seemed like Vulcan was just broken after that. He goes oh fuck, I can't even beat him in a power striking game. The fuck am I <laughs> going to do? And that's exactly what Magomed was able to do. Uh, he does such a good job in terms of staying safe, right? And this version of Tiago Santos that we're seeing nowadays that's his style now he's a little bit more disciplined compared to the guy that we've come to know and love from earlier in his career being that berserker doesn't mind going out on his shield but since like the the Jan fight I think we've seen a more measured approach from him and I think that we'll see it from him here once again but I think that's going to be his downfall I think he needs to tap into that old school Tiago Santos vibe and try to go for a KO here otherwise he's just going to get picked apart from range so Based on that analysis and based on that type of breakdown of this fight, I lean more so with Ankalaya by decision at plus 125. You know, in a light heavyweight fight between two power punchers, you know, somewhat power punchers, a lot of people want to focus on the under here, or the fight doesn't go to decision, which currently sits at, uh, what is that, minus 160. I think a lot of people think just on paper, that's a gift of a line. But I think it's more so of a trap than anything, because I do think that we'll see them take a more so of a a cautious approach. Both guys knowing the severity of taking a loss in this fight, especially for the Thiago Santos side who's coming off uh, that that win over Johnny Walker. He wants to get a win streak going, but I think that uh, he's going to be a little bit too scared to overextend here, knowing the effective countering ability of Magomed on Clive. So on uh, Clive, via decision, plus 125, that's probably my favorite uh, victory prop. But even the over 3.5 at minus 115, I don't think that's a bad look at all. Um, I yeah. do think that uh, even if you get access to the alternate totals over 2.5 at minus 150, I think that's a little bit safer, per se, uh, as long as Tiago Santos doesn't go out there and just go rabies we're basically basing on uh, basing Tiago Santos's fighting style uh on what we've been seeing from him recently and that's being disciplined and not taking too many chances and I'd be surprised if he tries to do that here against Alcolab so uh yeah Alcol decision plus one twenty five over three and a half minus one fifteen that's what I like the most what about you John
1: i mean would we call it disciplined or would we call it just shot i guess that's the real that's really for tiago santos you know i guess that's really where my question is because honestly a couple years ago uh, like this fight happened when he fought rocket i would 100 percent of bet santos and slide I like that's crazy you have a guy who can fire kicks to all parts of the body and keeps a relatively decent output who's fought nothing but killers i'll bet him here at plus 400. um but the reality is we haven't he just hasn't been the same guy since he came back from those knee injuries you know he just yeah. and even against the, in the Jones fight which right he got hurt there so it's like I put a little less stock in that but you know he's just you know Tiago Santos we used to love Moretta because he'd come out there firing like insane kicks in the head body legs and looking to take your head off you know um that kind of guy I'd be interested in here even though I think well how it would end more likely than not would be him eating a two down the pipe that to took his head off but like I I think you, you've heard me talk about Ancelotti before. I think Ancelotti is a wizard when it comes to be, it comes to his like, technical ability, but I also still have concerns about his output, and I do have the feeling that one of these days he's going to drop a fight he shouldn't lose because someone just outworks him, or he's going to get clipped. You know, we've seen him get clipped a couple of times. Um, but if siantos is going to fight the way he has in his last three fights, which is this mega restrained guy who wants to have an outside point fighting game, I mean, dude, the guy just got outlanded at distance by Johnny Walker. Man, he gave up two rounds to Walker. Like, that is, he needed to win a round five to beat Johnny Walker by decision. Like, that, that is, that guy, that game plan is not going to work here. Like, I, I feel very confident saying if he has an outside low-volume kickboxing match with Magdalena Goliath, it's either going to end with him dead or it's going to end with him losing a very <laughs> one-sided decision. Um, I'm with you, you know, if I had, if I thought Santos would come out here, you know, like the hammer that he used to be, I'd actually take the stab plus 400 because it's like, you know, that guy could finish anybody. But I don't expect him to do that. I expect him to give Magomed the exact fight that he wants here, which is going to be a fairly low-volume pickboxing match. And I, I think you had the best angle here, which was, look, if it comes to an individual fighter's prop here, I think I'd probably skew to the side of Ankalaev by decision. But the best bet's probably, like, why bet that when you can just bet the minus 115 on the over three and a half, right? You know, because at that point, it's like, I don't really see – a ton of upside for Santos winning a decision, but also you know that covers it in case minutes are dicey, or even take a shot that goes the distance, right? I kind of think spreading, I may mean, I'm probably gonna do this to be honest. Like spreading your exposure here between goes the distance and over. Although even goes the distance, like plus 130. It's a weird fight to bet. What I know is I like Ank a lot here. I think he's gonna win the fight fairly easily. Um, unless yeah, I mean, honestly, even if Santos goes crazy, I kind of think he's going to take his head off if he does. I don't. I just. I just think Santos is a shell of the fighter he used to be, personally. Um, but I think the most likely outcome is a pretty ugly staring contest. It's probably the fight that I'm like least excited for. Like, I was hoping they would give Ank a better test than this, you know. Yeah. Um, after what we saw against Walker, it's like I don't really see what he's going to do to bother Ank here, you know, if he fights that way. So yeah, though I like the over. I like game by decision. That's probably gonna get you more. They plus one sixty is better than the plus one thirty for goes the distance. And Santos winning a decision here means something has to have gone tragically wrong on the yank side of things.
0: Well, one of everybody's favorite narratives to take into fights as well, the the age difference here. Thirty eight years old for Tiago Santos, twenty nine years old for mother yeah. and uncle. Larry. Having a kid? Yeah. Yeah, not to mention uh Sean Strickland's vote of uh or stamp of approval on Muhammad Uncle yeah. i saying that he's his favorite guy to spar with because the guy fucking goes out there and leaves it in the training room.
1: I, I mean tell me, but like it just to me I and mean, tell me if you disagree, it just seems like you know, even he wasn't urgent in round five against Walker of a close fight. You go back yeah. to the Rockage fight. You know, that fight was there for the taking. I know Alexander Rakesh said he took his soul, but you know, <laughs> the fight was there for the taking. And he yeah. just seemed pretty okay with like collecting a paycheck and letting yeah. Rakesh just outpoint them in the last round of that fight. It's just, I, I'm not a narrative guy, but it just doesn't seem like the hunger that was there a couple of years ago is still there with him.
0: Yeah, I agree. He's getting paid handsomely, even with taking it out. So I'm sure he doesn't mind that either. But again, at the end of the day, people want to win. Not saying he doesn't want to win. I'm sure he wants to go out there and collect that paycheck and that win bonus. But uh, yeah, I think Ankaliev is just too much at this point in time. I think it's just a matter of time before Ankaliev is a champion as well.
1: And also Ankaliev can wrestle him, right? If he really needs to. Like if things did get hairy, Ankaliev can take him down and hold him down whenever he wants. So it's like...
0: yeah i think he's pretty covered here (laughs) i love it i love it all right that's a wrap on the breakdowns let's get to the three best prop bets as well as who the guest is going to be for tomorrow's ultimate weigh-in show it's a a new guest somebody that hasn't really shown their face in the community but is a very sharp mofo uh it is fimble fight picks this guy is very very sharp. sharp this guy uh he's actually in number one spot for pretty much every dog of the night competition and every lock of the night competition the guy is absolutely crazy I think he just had his first loss in those uh where he took Greg Hardy but you know he's cashing on Jasmine the Vicious he's cashing on uh, Armin Petrosian he's cashing on all these underdogs in a lock of the night contest the guy's absolutely killing it so a uh, very sharp dude I don't think he's ever done a podcast before but uh with as sharp of a brain that he has I had to bring this guy on so that's That's going to be going down tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you guys come check it out. Uh, You'll learn a solid thing or two from this very sharp. Must watch. Exactly. Must watch right there. All right. Let's go to the three best prop bets now. So I'll kick things off as always. There we go. Uh, First one I got up. Aldrich and Robertson over 2.5 at minus 125. I think minus 135 is some of the lines that you're going to be able to get now. Uh, Again, I think this is going to be uh, a pretty... Uh, Aldrich looking fight a classic Aldrich looking fight she's going to be able to stuff some takedowns even if this fight does hit the mat I don't think she's in danger of getting submitted as easily as some of the past opponents of Robertson uh, so I do think that we'll see her survive but I do think it's going to be Aldrich dictating the pace of this fight on the feet and then eventually winning a decision but let's cash that over two and a half while we're doing it as well secondly i'm going to go with the mckinney dober fight doesn't go to decision i know it's chalky minus 25 nobody really likes chalk but this isn't a great card for props honestly there's a couple juicy ones that we stuck out there the Silva submission and you know a couple other spots as well even roberson uh, submission as well but mckinney dober fight doesn't go to decision probably one of my favorite violent spots on this card mckinney is the main ingredient we need for something like this either he gets it done early or Dobro will likely get him out of there in the second or third round, but either way, minus two twenty-five. Throw it into a parlay if you want. And then lastly, uh, Thiago Santos, Magomed Ankalaev over three and a half, minus one fifteen. As long as Santos doesn't go rabies, I think that this cashes, uh with relative ease with Ankalaev fighting his uh, preferred style of fight, which is a low-paced uh, kickboxing fight, and I can see him outpoint uh, Santos from distance here. So over three and a half, minus one fifteen. John. Yeah, time, first
1: first up, we got Miranda Maverick by decision. Uh, yeah, like I said with the breakdown, I think if she takes the pass the least resistance, she's just going to basically get Mazo down fairly easily to stay on top of her. Mazo did a surprisingly good job of staying safe against Alexis Davis, who I think is a more threatening submission grappler than Maverick is. So I kind of just expect 15 minutes of lay and pray. I think this is a decent bet. And next up, we got Cody Brundage via decision. Yeah, I, I don't really expect him to be able to finish Dalcha on the mat here, but I do think Brundage is likely short on the money line. And I think if he takes the path of least resistance and just wrestles consistently, I think he should be able to grind this out fairly easily. I actually think there's a fair bit of value here. I'd probably line this close to about 45%, you're getting about 12% there. And last up, we got JJ Aldridge via decision. Um, you know what, I think what Locke put out there is fine too, if you want to just take the over and play it a bit safer. But ultimately, look, JJ, she's a very good boxer, but she can't bust a grape. Uh, I do think, you know, uh, Jillian's gonna tr- struggle to get her down. Kind of to Locke's point, if she can get her down, I still think she can work up. She should win minutes on the feet pretty cleanly here. And I kind of think once the edge starts to turn, you're going to probably see Jillian pulling guard and her just kind of riding her out on top. Uh, I don't think Auden's a threat to finish. I think she should probably be even money or a favorite in this fight. So, yeah, Auden's by decision plus 200. I think it's a nice look
0: one that I was very close to adding into my top three, so I'd say if it was a top four, my fourth one would be uh, Pereira and Silva over one and a half at plus 140. I think that's some solid value there as well as uh, hopefully Silva is able to slow this fight down. Uh, Last thing I want to say, and then I was swinging on over to John. Uh, For anybody that caught last week's Ultimate Win show with Mike Constantino, great guest. Shout out to SKD for bringing it up here. I uh, sincerely apologize to everybody in terms of running through that show as quickly as I did. I think we did it within 15 minutes. 50 minutes uh because of the the time restraints and schedule and stuff that i was on but i'm gonna have him on in the very near future so that me and him could do fucking two hours if we needed to on an upcoming card but very sharp guy i uh, gave some good analysis cashed some good bets for you guys so i hope you guys enjoyed that uh but yeah hope you guys enjoyed this episode as well of propping you up hit that like and subscribe below uh and then john uh go ahead please plug anything you like and i'll wrap this up on the back Yeah, hey guys
1: You can catch me on the Club and Sub podcast Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. I'll post it on my Twitter, which you can find below at MMA Fox every week. Uh, Yeah, good luck on your bets this weekend. I'm pumped. Uh, Let's get it done. Bruno Sova, Damon Jackson, we're sending it.
0: Let's go, Bruno. Silva all day, I love it. All right, appreciate you guys checking it out tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, Ultimate Wayne Show with Fimble Fight Picks, 7 p.m. Eastern, IG Live. Me talking to you guys, you guys tell me what your bets are, and we can talk it out. And then, Fight Day live chat, uh, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern. A ton of great content for you guys coming. So, good luck on your bets. And just as John said, War Bruno, motherfucking Silva. Let's go.